This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Each year on November 6, we commemorate the International Day for Preventing the Exploitation of the Environment During War and Conflict. Now that might sound like a mouthful, but here on Voice of Change, we're going to be breaking it down into easy to understand terms and also easy to understand action. And so welcome to Voice of Change. It is myself, Lauren Jacobs, and I'm so excited to be with you in Cape Pulpit today because like I said, this is a day that we're going to be commemorating now it's on november 6th which is this weekend and it's the day where we really really reflect on what is happening on the earth and not just in terms of of course what we naturally think about when it comes to war and conflict and that is the loss of human life and the impact of war and conflict on human life which is so vitally important for us to be considering and to be thinking about but also we want to reflect on this very very important day and that is the impact of war as it impacts our natural world now our natural world being our environment and being the wildlife bio diversity the earth and we know i mean if we just sit here and we think about it together we know that war and conflict of course it impacts the environment of course we know that areas are burnt and scorched there is the threat of nuclear the impact of nuclear that we have seen throughout history we also think about the production of you know things needed for war like not only the vehicles but textiles and clothing and the products that's used in war and then actually what we don't think about is that more trees are cut down and more of the environment is destroyed to create what is needed for an ongoing war effort and today we sit in the middle of this this earth and we think to ourselves well you know we continue to see the war in ukraine we continue to read the stories we continue to see the war in syria and the drc which has been an ongoing war for decades in burma the war continues and in many other nations whether it be tribal warfare or civil war it's just this impact on the environment and we have to consider it so today i am joined by andy lester and andy is the head of conservation at a russia uk he is also a chartered ecologist and economist with a background in the charity and the corporate sectors. He's a frequent speaker. He's a writer on issues of ecology and green economics. He also runs an environmental column in three regional newspapers and is also the local chair of the Hampshire and Isle of Wight Wildlife Trust and Conservation Officer of Hampshire or ornithological society and i really hope that i pronounced that correctly and he's actually married to a south african and it's so incredible because annie has such a big heart for south africa so while we talk about the impact of war and conflict on the natural world and our environment we also at the center of it of course we are going to bring this in to south africa as well while we may not be in an uh, an ongoing conflict or war we know here in south africa that the 
impact of you know government of politics of many many different areas is really impacting our environment and that we're going to touch on today as well and so i'm so excited to have andy with me and you know i think we're also going to touch a little bit on cop 27 the international climate change real big big sitting that's going to be had very very soon in Egypt last year and touched on COP26 and what came out about that really that that consideration of climate change and I think that Andy and myself we're going to touch on that a bit today because I really want to get his thoughts on what is going to be happening at COP27 and so stay tuned because really today's show is going to be filled with good things it's going to also be filled with hope and again the challenge to create the change which is what it is all about so stay tuned andy is with me after this andy it's so good to have you with me again i know that we were together about a year ago when it was cop and i know cop is coming up soon again so it seems to be this this time of year that's that's a good treat for us but you know before we get into discussing something very very important on the show today firstly i want to say thank you so much for your time and welcome for being here today on voice of change it's really good to have you it's great to be with you lauren thank you for having me with you all again yeah and and, you know as we think about this weekend it's the international day for preventing the exploitation of the environment during war during armed conflict which is celebrated annually on the 6th of november for those who don't know for those of the listeners going what is this day actually all about it's very very important and you know as we sit here andy you and i we're sitting here and everybody's sitting listening you know we have war happening actually all over the world right we have war in burma we have an ongoing war in congo we have the ongoing war in syria and of course what's been on everybody's heart and mind the war in ukraine what effect does conflict and war actually have well firstly on the natural world let's talk a bit about that first I mean, I think the main thing to say is war is indiscriminate when it comes to nature. Nature is often a silent sufferer. And so if we take Ukraine as a good example, Ukraine is an incredibly beautiful country with a very, very diverse landscape mm-hmm. and the most amazing wildlife. And the impact of the shelling and the missile fire and the gunfire has been to destroy or seriously damage a lot of very old forest areas and create a huge pollution problem in a lot of their marshlands and wetlands. So whereas in Western Europe, many of the big wild areas have already been tamed and destroyed over the course of the last 100 and 150 years, in the east of Europe, from Latvia all the way down to Ukraine and beyond, many areas have been intact, but that is not the case now. And so we see see that situation uh, in Ukraine and not dissimilar situations in the conflicts in Burma, in Syria and in the Democratic Republic of Congo. In all of those locations, it is often nature that finds itself in the firing line. And it's such a sad reality. I know I've been following some people who remained behind in Ukraine during the conflict so that they can take care of the animals, so that they can, you know, a lot of people have done that. A lot of vets, people in conservation have have really been worried about the wildlife and about, you know, like I said, the animals, the earth, the planets, the environment. 
And, you know, of course, we don't often think about the fact that obviously natural reserves and places where animals are have been affected by the wars. I mean, these areas are often occupied or shelled or burned. It's quite a serious situation when we talk about trying to prevent exploitation of the environment. It doesn't seem like something that's very preventable in war. No, and that's right. I mean, it, the, the the reality for a lot of Ukrainians, as as in the case of DRC and other countries, is it becomes a game of survival. People are just attempting to survive uh, day to day, to have enough food, to have enough mm-hmm. water, uh, to get through the night. The nights are often very dark and frightening, just to get through to that next morning, that next dawn. And there are nevertheless, I mean, you take people in Ukraine, there is a deep care for and a deep compassion for nature that has not been destroyed by the conflict. Uh, And that's the extraordinary thing about humanity is that faced with terrible loss, loss of life, loss of homes, loss of food supply, even then when people get an opportunity to rescue a wild animal or to feed an animal that is in distress or mm-hmm. try and rescue a bit of habitat, then they will do so. So humanity is not turning a blind eye, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the realities of war and conflict means that nature is often uh, left behind and mm-hmm. it will take generations in Ukraine for nature to recover. Uh, you know, it will be 50 to 60 years of recovery just because of, 10 months of war and the longer the war goes on the longer the conflict lasts uh the more lasting the damage will be to the natural ecosystems uh, and that has obviously a knock-on effect on climate change as well mm. and annie that that was leading me exactly to my next point climate change and conflict are so intricately linked could you explain a bit more about what is happening? You know, how is climate change really affected by conflict when we talk about wars and ongoing wars or even, you know, civil wars that happen between even tribal groups in a particular area? There is a lot of, like you said, knock-on effects. Can you kind of explain that a bit more for us? Yeah, so there's a number of areas. A lot of it is to do with the degradation of soil. So as war takes place, intact soils that have been a carbon sink, a place for carbon to be stored gets destroyed uh, either directly by fire and explosions and burning or by the removal of topsoil as heavy lifting equipment and tanks and artillery are moved through forest areas Mm. so there is a direct impact on soil which can have a profound impact on climate change beyond that of course there are wider pollution issues if water fresh water gets polluted so that can create an, an additional problem with carbon and other pollution releases, uh, methane being another one. Uh, And so we see that what war does is to exacerbate an already serious situation Mm. and to make it worse. Um, And as the soil degrades, as food security diminishes, as the ability of woodlands and wetlands to hold water and hold soil intact degrades, uh, then Ukraine, as an example, becomes a country that rapidly becomes a major net contributor to carbon dioxide release. Mm. Uh, And of course, the vehicles of war, um, the missiles, the bombs, they all have uh, an environmental impact and a direct climate impact. Although individually small, 
collectively uh, potentially huge. Hmm. Uh, and you know we cannot get away from the fact that there is the threat of bigger weapons and yeah. nuclear weapons. Let's not even go there hmm. in terms of the implications that that would bring for climate were Russia to make the foolish decision to to go ahead with either a dirty bomb or a snor- a small uh, low yield nuclear weapon inside Ukraine. Mm. And and they have, of course, been concerns about the occupation of nuclear zones and places where Russia has really been occupying places where there are, of course, nuclear realities that they are facing. So it's not just them releasing a bomb, you know, releasing something. It's that, you know, they're occupying territories and they just take over these nuclear spaces because they know, of course, Ukraine are not going to bomb onto those areas. But this yeah. this becomes areas where, you know, it's just soldiers occupying these areas. They're not looking after anything that's happening inside of those areas. And this can be quite worrying. And it's definitely a worry, I know, for the international community, of course, we've seen envoys going over there and, and checking out if there is nuclear waste, if it's been spilled, what's happening. But there, of course, this this is is quite a huge reality for the natural world and also not just for the natural world, for everything that's in that vicinity. And that continues to almost be a, a, a huge talking point and a, and a place where we get quite nervous, isn't it? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, and I think one of the the hardest things for folks listening is we see Mm. conflicts and we think do you know what we can't do anything about it Mm. um and that is the the biggest challenge is that people feel um somehow helpless somehow unable to make a difference and of course that isn't the case but it is often how we feel Mm. uh particularly when we're dealing with large things like climate change huge issues of food insecurity, huge issues of biodiversity loss. Uh, And then you think, add in war to that, that sense of conflict. And many, many people feel like, well, what on earth do you expect me to do about it? And, and you know, that's such a big question. And, and I really want us to touch on that today when we're together, because even when the war in Ukraine broke out in February, I kind of sat thinking about the people, the animals, and kind of kept thinking, what can I really do? And let's be honest, you're sitting so far away here in South Africa. You don't know anybody in Ukraine. You're kind of sitting going, there's nothing I can do about this reality. But it's the same with climate change. It's the same with all of these things that we see that we have a heart for, but we kind of feel like there is no way that we can create this change. And I think, you know, it's it's exactly like you're saying. It's It seems very, very big. And before we touch on how we're going to, how how we can get involved and what we can do because it's important for us as people of faith to be people of action. I wanted to say, yeah. will these points that we've been highlighting now today, will these be talking points at COP this year, you know, specifically about the conflict, about what's happening, you know, how it's affecting climate change and, and people, animals, will this be a talking point that we can expect to come out soon? inevitably there will be people there who will be looking at each other and thinking do you know what the conflicts that we're seeing around the world are making a serious situation far far more complicated Uh, but that said that will not be the primary talking point Mm -hmm. Uh, the primary talking point is is going to be around funding um, programs to enable developing nations to move to alternative energy supplies 
making sure that the funding gap is filled so that developed nations are playing their part and developing nations aren't let off the hook. This is not about a freebie or a handout, mm -hmm. but it's about a collective working together between richer and poorer nations to make sure that climate change and the move towards greener energy and a greener lifestyle is properly resourced and funded. Because as your listeners will remember, that is a conversation that we had at COP26. It was a major sticking point. And this time round, there has to be breakthrough. Mm. Because if there isn't, then many of the island nations will be looking in desperation and saying that was our last chance uh, to avoid an utter catastrophe in our low-lying Pacific island nations. Mm. And it's not just the low-lying Pacific island nations that will be suffering. Hmm. It'll be us here in Cape Town too, so sitting here yes, right yeah. where the ocean is, you know, and, yeah. and the, the ongoing reality of what people are doing, what governments are doing as well. We just had a, I think it was a 4.2 earthquake just yesterday in Johannesburg. We don't have earthquakes in Johannesburg, but uh, it's in an area of mining where there is a continual mining going on. And there's been so much talk to close these particular areas, you know, so that mining cannot happen. But again, there is that greater reality that we are dealing with governments. We're dealing with so many things. And I think, you know, Andy, do you have hope going into COP27? Do you have some excitement around that? You know, excitement might not be the right word, but kind of anticipation that now's the time. There is an urgency and we have optimism as well. We're not getting all down about it, but there has to be a sense of urgency. Do you have some hope going into COP27? So uh, you're quite right. Excitement is not the, the word I'd be looking for, but I think <laughs> no. that it is more a case of beyond hope. There's the realization that as a people of faith, we are being called to act at scale and act now. Mm. And that if we don't, and if as Christians, we don't take a lead, then there is a tremendous danger uh, particularly to the poorest of the poor. That's mm. not just people, but wildlife as well. The voices that are the least heard and least seen are going to be the ones that suffer the fastest, the quickest and the deepest. Uh, and that suffering has begun. We've seen it in Pakistan this year. We've seen it mm. in numerous countries. 160 countries around the world have recorded record-breaking rainfall or record-breaking temperatures this year. Uh, that is a microcosm of what is to come. Hmm. Uh, and so as we go into COP27, the challenge is simply this. We don't have the time for COP28, COP29, COP30, and for hmm. the same discussions. We have to break through into new areas. We have to break into new grounds. We have to break through the hard soils uh, in order to make a way. And we serve a saviour who is all about making a way in a dark mm. place. Uh, he sees a river that is rough and turbulent. He's reaching out his hands and he's saying, just reach across and we can do this together. We can hold hands and walk it. Mm. But if we're not prepared to take that first step, then all he can do is to stay there with his hands outreached towards us. So we're called to be a, a, a people, a nation in South Africa, a world community that is committed to real, immediate, lasting, deep, profound change. And that means starting with our own lifestyles. It means mm. changing the way governments do things and the way, way they behave. 
And it's about a coming together of the nations that we may have seen physically in COP26. Yeah. But the results spoke for themselves. We're still a long way from where we need to be. But time is running out. Hmm. Sure, I want to say amen to that. And, you know, I almost want to let everybody just kind of settle with that and 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 get serious for a moment with themselves. It's not someone else's duty. It's our duty <laughs> listening today as well. Because we are listening today to what you're saying, Andy, as well, and the challenge that we have, we are now being held also after this accountable because we have heard the truth, because we have heard you saying to us, we have a responsibility and we, we have to take that first step. And I want us to touch more on that when we get back. We're going to go to a quick song break, but I want to say to you, please do not go anywhere because we're still going to be discussing the reality of the environment armed conflict war and also what we need to be doing to make a change and why we can still have hope it's not as though we're saying there isn't hope but it we are saying it is time to act as well so don't go anywhere enjoy some music and see you after this you're with me, Lauren Jacobs on Voice of Change. I hope that you've been with myself and Andy all the way out from the UK from the beginning. I hope that you have been as we think about the International Day for preventing the exploitation of the environment in war and armed conflict. You know, a day we commemorate on the 6th of November every single year. And it is because armed conflict and war is affecting the world as we know it in so many different nations, in so many different ways. And we've been unpacking that a bit and also getting into COP27. If you don't know what we're talking about, we're not talking about a traffic cop. Go on over and Google <laughs> on your cell phone, right, right now and go on over to Google COP27. You can read all about what's going to be happening this year. Now, Andy, you were talking about taking the first step. And, you know, earlier on, you also said that when we see war, when we see armed conflict and we see you know the environment being affected we see animals dying we've seen the loss of biodiversity we kind of feel as christians and this is not only just about war but it's about the situation in the world right now we as christians often think there is nothing we can do about it right we think wow, this is a global problem that probably governments need to sort out and people with money need to sort it out because we don't have the money. But this is not true, right? One of the practical steps that we need to start thinking about and really get serious about, we hear about recycling or we hear about, you know, sustainable fashion or we hear about, you know, not using plastic packets. But seriously, people don't really often put the two together. One of the practical steps, we need to take that first step out. We want to partner with Christ to better the world and that's not just about saving souls it's about stewarding the earth what is the steps that we need to be taking yeah thanks that's a good question lauren and i think there are three that immediately come to mind for the listeners i think the first is ultimately prayer um we we need to take action but the first step to action is praying it's what jesus taught us he mm. taught us how to pray uh, and he taught us how to pray for one simple reason, that as we pray to a God who is loving and is really concerned about the situations we're facing, he will answer those prayers. Uh, and there are many, many occasions where when we pray for the planet, we pray for environmental issues, we pray for climate, we may find that the prayers we, we are praying are huge, <laughs> the mm. issues are challenging, but he is still listening. So we need to come down on our knees and seek God first and foremost. From that place, we can also start asking him questions about beyond prayer, 
What is it, Lord, that you want us to do as a faith community here in South Africa? And that leads us to the second of the three, and that is practical action. We can take practical action where we are. It may be as simple as planting a tree, a native South African tree Mm. that will provide food for birds and for people alike, that will provide shade. And in its provision of shade, it will also help to reduce the temperature slightly locally. Mm. And then plant a second tree and a third tree. And before you know it, Cape Town is being re-greened by the church at a level which inspires and equips other cities to take action. So this is about leading by example. And I only use the trees as just one practical step that we can take. There are, of course, many, many others. And some of those you, you just mentioned. The third is petition. And this is about standing up to... Um, are members of government Mm. and saying we have elected you but we have elected you to take the environment seriously to protect our landscapes to protect our water supply to ensure that we get a really strong agreement at cop 27 to make sure that we are not destroying local forests for mining Mm. uh, that we are shifting away in south africa from oil and gas towards alternative energy particularly solar, as you've got huge opportunities for solar arrays. Um, And so by campaigning, uh, by challenging government, by petitioning, uh, we can then also make a difference at a local and at a national level. So it's prayer, it's practical action, it's petition. Those are the three things that your listeners can be doing to help bring about change on climate. Hmm. I love this, Andy. Thank you so much, you know. And we in South Africa, I think that we realize and know exactly that we have a lot of issues here, you know. And you mentioned hmm. solar. This is this is a, a a space that we keep talking about, you know, recently. Solar, solar, solar. We're hearing it all the time simply because we have this awful load shedding, which you and I are hoping to avoid within the next few minutes. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's crazy. We have this continual reality where we don't have electricity and then we don't have water and we don't have this and we don't have that. And we're looking now because we're in a state of crisis and, 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 and the situation in, in South Africa so almost mirrors what the world is going to be like because we're in the state of crisis now. We are looking for alternatives when an actual prevention, you know, is better than trying to cure something when we have it. Now we have this state of not having all these things and we're in this crisis and now we're trying to figure out what we can do about it. But again, Andy, we also see the situation in South Africa where when we talk about solar, we are also talking about the elite and we need to be honest about that as well. I have family members that have installed their house full of solar to get off the electricity and it cost them over half a million rand. That is an amount that most South Africans can't even think of. And so we need a way as well then, like you say, in petition where government can get on board and where other things can start happening, where it becomes affordable for for normal, everyday people to be able to live in a sustainable way that they want to live as well, but where it's not beyond their reach. And, you know, it, it is always, like you said earlier on as well, 
the poorest of the poor that is going to be affected, that is affected by climate change, that is affected by what we see happening. And I think, again, I love what you said about petition. We need to hold government accountable. And we we in South Africa, we love the environment. Many people are so working hard to to bring about change, and I honor those people. We can do more. In closing, Andy, do you have uh, you know a message for us and also – Many times people talk about uh, climate anxiety these days. You know, people have a lot of anxiety towards what is happening. You know, do we have a sense of hope in our hearts while we can still take practical action? Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing I would say is South Africa is one of the most beautiful, precious countries on the planet. It is a it's a country with incredible people incredible nature and incredible opportunity uh, and that gives me real hope you know amongst your listeners out there there will be people who are taking action already and many i hope will be inspired to do even more but it is also a country like our own here in the uk where there is greed uh, and the greed is often comes down from the politicians from those in power where power is more important uh, than justice and righteousness and hope. Uh, and so I see in South Africa, like I do in the UK, an opportunity for people power, for people to stand up and push back and to say, no, we've got to work together. And you mentioned solar is a great example where if it is done in the right way, it can be done cheaply. It mm. can be done with support of local and national government to make the investments worthwhile and where the poorest of the poor get access to the technology. But that involves breaking through the barrier of greed, self-centeredness, of, of putting big oil money and big gas money before the realities of the need to change the way we do things. And so my, my hope and prayer for South Africa, like for the UK, is that the people who are listening to this can be take responsibility for really pushing back on national government and on the greed and saying we're going to have to do this better but we can only do it with you uh, and with your support for the most impoverished communities in our nation mm. so i love that annie thank you so much and in closing this evening i would love to ask you i'm putting you on the spot this evening but i'd love to ask you if you would close off in prayer for us you know pray that we can join together in praying for our earth our world the world that we care about, that we are called to steward well. And if you would lead us in a, just a prayer from your heart today as we bow our heads and, and can join in where two or three are gathered, we know God is with us, Christ is with us. And we want to pray an effective prayer tonight that we come together and say, yes, God, we are here and we are taking this seriously. So, Andy, I would love for you to close for us. Certainly, Lauren. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for South Africa, for the people of this beautiful land, and for the fact that we know the country is already struggling under the pressures of climate change uh, and economic breakdown. And we are a people of hope, and we are a people of courage, and we're a people of resilience. We are a rainbow nation. Mm. And I pray, Father God, for life and blessing and strength and courage and forgiveness and healing 
into our land, into the biodiversity that's crying out, into the climate that is demanding change. And I pray, Father God, for our politicians to realize that there is a deep need for humility, for grace, for listening, for taking shoes off and washing each other's feet and serving each other and serving our poorest communities. And in that space, we have hope and we believe that change can happen. So, Father God, we pray for change tonight in our land, in our nation, and for your Holy Spirit to come, enrich, empower, and change hearts and minds so that a new tomorrow may be something that we can really believe in. In your name. Amen. Amen. Andy, thank you so much for being with me today. It's been such a blessing. We are just so blessed by your passion. And we want to pray all the best with A Russia UK that you're doing such incredible work with. And again, thank you for being with me. It's just been really such a pleasure. So thank you. That is an absolute pleasure, Lauren. And I wish all of you all the best. Thank you so much. I'm sure you can add so many aspects of your own heart journey and also maybe your own heart's feelings or maybe even a feeling you have in your spirit right now. I'm sure you can add something to that powerful prayer that Andy prayed for us. And I'm really grateful that we could have this very, very important conversation on Voice of Change today. It is moments like this, times like this, and real topics like this that can stir us to make change. We have to be inspired to make change. We have to be inspired to take action. We have to be passionate about causes. And I want to stop and say for a moment that even if you don't start off passionate about something, sometimes we have to take action before we feel the passion. And I'm really, really convinced of that. It's not always that our emotions and our feelings, you know, get behind us when we get involved. Oftentimes we have to get involved and then everything else falls into place. And I want to encourage you as the Christian community, as our phenomenal listeners here at k but to really consider where you need to be in the time and all of us every single one of us cannot shut our eyes to what is happening in the world and particularly the impact that has been had on our environment whether it's pollution which we see a lot of even in our own city sometimes I am so shocked when I drive you know on on the N1 the N2 when I take these highways and I'm driving somewhere and the masses of pollution that is all over and the animals eating from that pollution and when you see it on the beach and knowing is going into the water and there's animals eating from this and it's just it's scary and it's it makes you crazy and again you sit and you think what can i do about it well get involved there's beach cleanups also do your part in not taking plastic to the stores many plastic is you know is just so much plastic is just getting messed around everywhere many stores are stopping the plastic which is really good so you know let's continue to do that and just stop pollution get on board with petitioning with praying and with really committing to action so pray today and and ask the father where and how can i get more involved in my community in my society and ultimately in my city because it is about sustainability and it's also about making the change that we want to see it's been so good to be with you on voice of change i pray that you have been challenged that you have been stirred and that you are going to take positive action 
in the right way. Follow COP27 as well when it takes place later this month to hear everything that's going to be happening and how we can also commit to really, really stewarding the earth well. Take care. God bless. And may, you know what, God just make his face to shine upon you. May he give you peace and may he be with your heart and your family today. And just God bless you and just bless you and bless you richly in Jesus' mighty name. Until next week, take care. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.